Welcome to A Second Helping with Allison Bartow, a wedding photography podcast with a focus on second shooting. On this week's episode, we have sooty hurricane vases on the sweetheart table, a musical performance by the groom's mom, the rudest wedding guest I've encountered all year, and a band leader who absolutely loves the sound of his own voice. For this week's wedding, I am associate shooting for a studio that I've shot for a few times. It's going to be me, a second photographer, and two videographers. So it's been on the calendar for about eight months. And then as is normal, I got some details like a week before the wedding. So I get the timeline. They've got a wedding planner. So the timeline is like five-minute increments. There's a lot packed in there. But the two things I'm concerned about are one, the portraits. So wedding party portraits, family portraits, and couple portraits are happening only from 5 to 5.45. So we have a traditional timeline, no first look, and all of these portraits are being squeezed into this 45-minute window. And 5 to 5.45, but the sun sets at 4.51 with last light at 5.20. So um, I reached out to the studio and just said, hey, I just want to check in. Like, it makes me a little bit nervous. Is the bride aware of kind of the the tight timeline for this and the fact that, you know, we may have to go inside partway through and shoot this with flash? And I don't want her to be surprised. And I, I just don't want to have like an awkward conversation during the wedding when we're taking pictures. So he reached out to her, talked to her, she was fine. So that made me feel a lot better just that those expectations were set. The second thing was that they have a sparkler exit at the end of the night, which I just don't love a sparkler exit. So those were the two things going into it. There was also a note that no members of the opposite gender could be in the prep rooms. So I was not to go to the groom prep space and none of the guys could come to the bride's prep space. So um, the plan was made that once the bride was all dressed, we would take her to a separate spot and kind of reenact some of the final getting ready details so that the male videographer could capture that and not go into that bride prep area. We weren't told anything else about it. We weren't really given any explanation or reason. So I sort of assumed that it was like a privacy or a modesty thing. And I was thinking maybe it was like a younger couple that was getting married. But that was just my assumption. Get to the country club. Beautiful day. It's like 55 degrees out. It's just gorgeous. I'm an hour and a half early. So I get a few shots from outside. I had photos from the studio, like three photos outdoors of where they wanted the different portraits taken. So I had to like orient myself and find these specific trees and spots, figured all that out. And then the rest of the team arrived. So we headed in, everyone got introduced and started taking photos. Now the groom prep was in like a pub off of the men's locker room but it was like men only. And um, they had big windows like looking out over the golf course. The women's prep was happening in this like area downstairs, um, kind of below ground with just a few windows up by the ceiling with some light coming in. 
and then like fluorescent lighting. So this is like a 124 year old country club. It was very like 1980s feeling in the the prep area. Um, so it wasn't like just the prettiest bride prep photos. The bride was very nice, um, just very classy. Turns out the bride and groom are lawyers. So it wasn't that they were super young. Um, they were lawyers. And so she had like referenced like, you know, me not being in there, like commented on it. And um, I just sort of acknowledged it. And, you know, we had like a whole game plan where we would stage her doing a final getting ready with the videographer out in another room. So we were just working with that plan. We had four and four for bridesmaids and groomsmen, and they were fine. There you know, wasn't an issue with them. I did hear the bride like kind of whispering to the makeup artist like, yeah, so she's not coming. I'll just I'll pay you because obviously like I booked that with you. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, who's not coming? Like obviously hair and makeup were booked for this person. But I was like, I'll f- figure it out later. And she had an awesome dress. It was very classic. It was lace on top. It had like a cap sleeve, a deep V in the back. It fit her beautifully. And it was just the right vibe for the venue. And it flattered her. And we didn't have any problems with it either. It was really easy to work with. She did make a comment to me about her mom. And she just said like, yeah, yeah. Well, with my mom, like we are just going to kind of roll with it. Like if she wants to do the getting ready pictures with me, that's fine. But if not, not a big deal. Like we'll just figure it out. And I was like, okay. So I couldn't figure out if it was like a combination of like the mom maybe being aloof, but then also being a little bit difficult and a combination of like being difficult and playing it off as being aloof. So like even with her hair, I heard a couple comments with the hairdresser. So I just was like, all right, note to self. Um, The flowers were gorgeous, beautiful bouquets. The florist had the bridal bouquet in a vase that had a rounded bottom. So that fell over and the water spilled. So then it was like super tippy. So I refilled the water in that because you don't want the bridal bouquet to keep falling over. We got all the regular getting ready photos. We moved over to this hearthside room where we could bring in the videographer for her to open the gift from the groom and get some nice portraits of that. So those look nice. She's just really beautiful, composed, put together. She can hold a smile all all day. She was very easy to work with. He was as well. And all day I couldn't figure out, like, you know, when someone just reminds, so she actually very pretty, but like half reminded me of my friend Savannah, who is like one of the loveliest people. So like I immediately had like good associations just right after I met her, partly because of that. She was also a lovely person. And then the groom, also very nice. He, it took me until later to realize he reminded me of like a combination of Bradley Cooper and Albie Manzo. So then the Um, ceremony space, which would then also be the reception space. But the ceremony space was beautiful. So we had like hardwood floors. And then we had a lot of draping from the beams and some beautiful chandeliers. Of course, open flames lining the aisle and greenery and candles on the mantle. So it was really pretty. So the floors had been there earlier setting up and everything was finally finished. 
and I was trying to get some photos and um, there was a guy in the very front who was like just reading a piece of paper. And so I just nicely said like, oh, sir, do you mind just stepping off to the side there so that I could get a picture of the front all set up? <laughs> he was like really rude. He was just like, um, no, I'm, I'm practicing. It's like, I was like, okay. So it was the officiant. Um, he's a doctor and apparently can only practice a, a speech when he's standing where he needs to stand. He, he couldn't practice that off to the side. So it was just like bizarre. So when he finally wandered off, I was able to get a picture of the room all set up. Um, I did three light stands, which I've been doing a lot lately. It just helps so much to be able to have like a third one that you can move around a little bit more. So I had the two lights crossing um, for the bride and groom, but then I had the, a third aimed the other direction for the processional. So that worked out. Mom came in. So it turns out while we were getting ready, I hear someone say that the groom's sister is just going to do the mom's makeup. So it turns out it was the mom who didn't show up for hair and makeup. So I think she showed up and went like right downstairs into the locker room, like breezed through. And then I hear like phone calls and they're looking for the sister. And then the sister shows up and goes like flying through the room. So it was just like a weird, I don't know what was going on, but the sister did the mom's makeup. And then they were fine. But I, I don't know any of the backstory there. Ceremony, beautiful. I was really happy with the lighting. It was only 20 minutes long. And the nice part was they immediately went outside for photos, which is what we needed to get that light. So we head outside and the groom's dad says to me, like, what, there's like six golf carts parked right outside and right by the carport. And he said, what are those golf carts doing there? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Do they, maybe they always park them there? And he's like, no, they never park them there. Are they for us? And I was like, oh, I, I'm not sure. So he's the member. Um, but it was just like a weird delivery. So he goes off and then we're getting set up for pictures and we're looking for the groom's family and the groom's dad is missing. And I'm thinking he was just here. So, of course, he had driven around. We were 20 feet from the door, but he had driven down in one of the golf carts and the mom sat in a puddle. So he had gone to get her a towel. So we had to like switch it up and shoot the bride's family first. I was super lucky that the bride and groom, the only family photos they wanted were bride and groom, her entire family, bride and groom, his entire family. And then I think we did one with both sides of the family. And that was it. No other configurations, no other individual portraits. I couldn't believe it. And then they were like, you guys can go to cocktail hour. So that worked out tremendously well. Then we did bridal party portraits. So um, I did. We were losing light fast, but I was able to get all of the portraits, um, wedding party and family portraits, with some nice sky in the background. And then I did some flash on them, you know, to fill them in and light them up a little bit. Once we finished up with the big parties, um, and it was just the bride and groom, we got some portraits, but we really started losing light fast. But they seemed okay with it. Um, we did all of these in 
like one location, whereas there had been like these two other locations for those and a third location. Thankfully, we did it the way we did it because we would have really lost light if we were trying to move around. And no one ever ever really said like, oh, you can use these golf carts. So um, I think the groom finally was like, let's, we can use these. We'll take these. So we ended up taking the bride and groom. They went in one golf cart. The videographer and I went in the other and we went up to like another spot to get some nice portraits. And then we went and did, as we lost light portraits of them with the country club, like all lit up in the background. And then I lit them. And then I also did some like backlit photos of them. And it felt like it always feels like it's taking forever to get that set up the way that you want. And I looked and it really was only two minutes. But that is one of those times then when I'm finished, I will show them the back of the camera because it's during cocktail hour. They don't know what the hell we're doing. And we're making like minor adjustments that they don't understand. So that always just kind of makes them be like, oh, oh, wow, that's really cool. Okay. So it's like you have a little bit of that buy-in so that they're not frustrated that they're out in the dark missing cocktail hour. But we moved through things pretty quickly. Um, They were fine with the timing on everything. One of the funny things was that the videographer set them up and then he had the bride there and he was asking the groom to like come up from behind her and hug her. And so I think what he meant was, you know, come up behind your bride and like put your arms around her and like nuzzle into her. But I think the groom understood, come up behind your bride and grab her. So the groom was like, kind of like running up and grabbing her, like kind of aggressively, but like good, good natured, like he was smiling and having fun. And the bride was just so nice that she was just like smiling, but trying to make sure she didn't get knocked over. And the videographer was like, oh yeah, do it again. But he didn't give him like better directions. He didn't say like, oh no, like come up slower and just put your arms around her. So it was like two or three times where the groom was like grabbing her real tough and uh, squishing her a little bit. Um, But he was really sweet. And it was so funny because he loved her veil and he kept like, what's he doing with it? He was like touching it or doing stuff with it. We were just like, you're okay. You don't have to worry about that. The bride especially was like, no, just it's okay. Leave it alone. But it was like nice how much he loved it. He was like, it's so pretty and all of that. So um, we got really nice bride and groom portraits. We went inside and then she was signing the marriage license. She and he were signing the marriage license. And sure enough, the officiant is like standing between us and the couple. And when we nicely said like, oh, could you move over? He was like, no, I need to sign this. And I'm like, oh, my God. So um, and they had her kneeling on the floor in her dress. So finally, I was like, let's get them some chairs. So I got chairs. I moved the water bottles. I moved the officiant to the other side. But it was like, oh, my God, you're the officiant. You're not like, I don't know. So we did that. Nice pictures of that. Introductions, fine. Nothing too exciting. Got some detail shots, the desserts before anything was touched. The room looked great. I was able to do like a good mirror reflection because of the chandeliers and the draping. That looked pretty and then the band, the, the band is set up and immediately I can just tell that it is, tonight is about the band leader. I mean, it is his night. Maybe we'll also have a wedding reception. He just has a little speech before everything and he has to like tie it back into him. So 
the groom's family are members of this country club and they made sure everyone knew it. So it was very much they were hosting all of us and what an honor for us to be there. So the the band leader and the family just had like all these inside jokes and, you know, it was just like very clicky and like exclusionary. Like you just kind of felt like you were on the outside. But again, he just kept tying everything back to himself, which was weird. Oh, and then he was making like, there was some reference to like the bride and groom liking the Goo Goo Dolls. Fine. Great. But then like all throughout the night, he kept talking about the Goo Goo Dolls. And it was like, no one got it. Like, I don't know what the joke was. I don't know. Maybe other people knew a little bit more, but it was like, it was just such a stretch. So their first dance is fine. Um, We have some nice pictures of that. We had the band's lighting, which worked. It was just like purple and blue. So it wasn't like crazy lasers. Those are nice. They sit down and um, we have the band leader again gets up and starts giving a speech. And it turns out that the groom's mom has decided to do a performance. So she has learned a song how to play it and she will be singing it. And so they set a keyboard up on the stage for her. And there is this whole speech by the band leader going into this. And the mom, she gets her glasses out and she's got these huge heels on that she's working the pedals with. And the band leader keeps talking about like, she's been coming and they've been meeting several times a week, you know, just practicing for hours. And so she's playing and singing along he comes up with a saxophone. He's playing along. And I mean, it was, it felt like 15 minutes. It was not that long. Um, the bride, she was just held her composure. The groom, God bless him, he was really moved. He teared up, he cried. So they, you know, big hugs with the mom. He seemed to appreciate it. I hope she felt good, but it was just like an odd thing. It was just like, I don't know. It just didn't seem like the time or the play. I don't know. It just felt like more like something that the bride would do for the groom. But um, it again, it was very much about the groom's family. So they're getting ready for toasts and speeches. And I look over at the beautiful sweetheart table. And I mean, the whole room is just like white and beautiful, soft flowers. And they have brass candlesticks with taper candles in them. But then they have, understandably, beautiful fluted hurricane vases around them um, to not have open flame. But the one candle has burnt out and the entire hurricane vase is now just soot covered and like this 14 inch gray dirty vase on the table. So I go over because I'm thinking I'll just pick it up and move it. And I go to pick it up and the tablecloth comes with it. So the candle had melted down over the candlestick and all over the tablecloth and adhered it to the table underneath. And throughout the night, I kept looking and it was on several other tables where the candle had burnt down and just melted and the hurricane cylinder was like soot covered and connected to the table. So that was a first. 
We were fortunate, like where the sweetheart table was in front of this beautiful flagstone fireplace. And then the mantle had all this greenery and candles and was really beautiful. So his parents spoke, probably talked about how expensive it was to be members of the club, how much they paid for the night. And then the maid of honor was giving her speech and the maid of honor and the best man speeches were really nice. They were funny. They were poignant. They were sweet. The bride and groom loved them. And we have a team of four, you know, two videographers, two photographers. There's also like three planners running around. The bride and groom planned this wedding. They booked a big team to document it. And we are in a position where we can capture the decor and we can see the bride and groom's faces as well as the person who's speaking. So I'm lined up. I'm taking these pictures. I'm like right up against the videographer. So I'm, you know, trying to, you know, take up as little space as possible. And all of a sudden I can just hear behind me in like a loud whisper, maybe not even a whisper. I can't see. I wish I could see better. I can hear her. I can't see her. It would be nice if I could see. And so I'm trying to get the pictures. So finally, I move over to the other side. And it's just not as good of an angle. Like there just there aren't a lot of options when you're trying to photograph speeches. So I ended up having to go back for a little bit and then just big sighs from this woman. And then like I moved over for the best man speech and I tried to hang out more on the other side. But it was just like rude. And, you know, I don't I. I get someone's giving a speech and as the guest you want to, but it's a speech. It's not like a performance that you necessarily need to watch. And if you need to see it, you can stand up and move over. Like it's, I don't, it was just such an over the top dramatic reaction. So it was funny because later on I said something to the videographer and he was like, what? He hadn't heard any of it. And she was clearly just as annoyed with him. So, um, then we had dancing and <laughs> this band leader, like everything needs like a two minute introduction before he will kick off anything. He's got like this flirty banter with the daughter, which is just kind of like, ugh. and you just get the feeling like, oh, wow, you guys are all buddies. You've been hanging out for 20 some years. The <laughs> The daughter, all I just get pictured was like her at 14 running around drinking beers with like the caddies and the bus boys and the band. But I mean, it it just was like weird. So again, it's just inside jokes and the goo goo dolls and, you know, more stuff. And we end up with, I guess the uncle gets up and plays the harmonica. And we have the groom's dad and the daughter on the floor kneeling, doing the like, I'm not worthy. And then more dancing, cake cutting. The cake cutting actually went well. I liked the lighting for that. They did everything. They like cut the cake, fed each other. And I guess the bride wanted something different. So she was like, you know, let's do it again. Like just the feeding part. But it was kind of funny because it was like, she has in her head an idea of what she wants that moment to look like. But again, super polite all night and she knew what she wanted. So she was easy to work with. So we, I did some macro shots of the rings. Most of them I didn't like, but I was able to get a few that I really thought were pretty and nice. The bride and groom really got into dancing, which was great. And all of a sudden we've got the groom's dad 
on the floor doing push on the dance floor doing push-ups. And then everyone's encouraging the groom to get on the floor and do push-ups. So he's down there. Then there's another uncle doing push-ups. Then the groom's mom is on the floor doing push-ups. The groom's sister is on the floor doing push-ups. It was just such a look at me, look at me performance from this group that it was just something I hadn't seen before. So I'm talking to the venue coordinator and again, he was great. And something came up about like the prep and the spaces and he made some comment like, oh, sorry about that. And I was like, sorry. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, that's just the club rules. And I was like, those are the club rules. It wasn't the parents or the bride or the groom. It was the club's rules that you can't have members of the opposite gender in the spaces. And it was because he said they can't close the locker rooms to the paying members. And I get it, like, especially a beautiful Saturday in October, November. And so he's like, you know, you just can't have someone coming out of the shower and someone, you know, from the opposite genders there. So he's like, that's just the policy. And that made total sense to me. And it made a lot more sense than like super strict parents. So now I'm looking around and I'm looking at the time because we've got to set up for a sparkler exit. It is getting closer and closer to the sparkler exit. And it's like now everybody's enjoying the dance floor. I find the planner and the videographer and I'm just like, all right, we, you know, we've got this sparkler exit going on and I can see that the planner has set up on the table in the lobby, like a big metal bucket of sparklers. And thank God they are the long sparklers that you need for sparkler exits, not regular sparklers. But then I see five big lighters, little tiny cigarette lighters. So Anytime you're doing a sparkler exit, you need the really long like stick lighters, barbecue grill lighters, whatever they are. And you want a bunch of them because you need everyone to cuddle, huddle together and light these sparklers. And most people don't carry lighters anymore. So we have five lighters for all of these guests. And I'm like, oh, God, red flag number one. And then the mater d for the venue, whom I loved came up and let me know that we can't have the sparklers anywhere near the carport because something with a ventilation system, it sucks up that smoke and sets off the smoke detectors and the um, sprinklers. So he pointed to an area like 30 feet down the driveway where a hedge started and said, this is the closest any of the guests can be. So they've got to start there and line up going down the hill. So I was like, okay, got it. So I set up a flash outside and I'm testing it, pretty happy with the settings, go inside, and the dance floor is just jumping. No one is making any attempts to exit at all. And the wedding coordinator lady really isn't hustling this along at all either. And so we're just kind of waiting. So I like pack up my bags bring down my lights. I've got like everything ready to go. I wheel my stuff over to the front door. Slowly, we get people like 20 minutes later after we're supposed to have done the sparkler exit, making their way over. So they're like milling about, they're grabbing their favor, they're looking for coats and stuff. And they're making their way outside and they're just kind of everywhere. And so I'm suggesting, I'm like, if you just move down a little bit further, a little bit further, 
I'm heading back inside to check on like how many more guests we have. And there is a group of people by the the table and the wedding coordinator (laughs) is handing out sparklers. And I look over and she hands one of the coveted five lighters to this older gentleman and nothing against older people. But when I am doing a sparkler exit with, you know, like 150 people and I only have five Bic lighters, my go-to person is not going to be an older gentleman who's been drinking for hours. I'm just like, what? So he goes outside and then like 15 seconds later, I turn around to head outside and he's standing at the right outside the front door, not even down the steps of the carport, trying to light the sparkler. Now, the guests aren't even all outside. We have been told not to light anything anywhere near the carport because the sprinkler system will go off. So I very politely said, oh, sir, sir, could you please wait to do that? And he looks up at me and he's like, what? And I said, sir, could you please wait to do that? We have to get everyone lined up. And he's like, I'm a member here. And I said, what? And he, I'm a member here. Who, who are you? And he looks me up and down and he goes, you're a photographer. I'm a member here. And I don't take very well to being told what to do. And I just looked at him and I turned around and I went inside and I was like, let's guess, get these guests out here and get this stupid sparkler exit over with. And so we're getting the rest of the guests out. I told the videographer, I was like, I am over this. I'm ready to shoot this. I cannot believe how rude this guy was. And so we finally get all the guests out there and they've now lined themselves up, not far enough down, but also like the rows, the lines are 20 feet apart. So we're telling everyone, please move down further. Please move down further. And the groom's mom was like, Why? where are we going? Why is it so far? And so I'm like, well, your club doesn't want smoke anywhere near the carport because the sprinklers will go off. We've been told we can only do it here and further down. And so everyone's just like grumbling. And so we're trying to move them down. And then we try to get them a little bit closer together. But like the one line moves and then the other line moves too. So it's just like, they're still like eight feet apart. So we're finally getting these. And of course, like people are lighting the sparklers too early. So we finally get the bride and groom out there. We get them to walk through. And the videographer was a true champ in this moment because he had them walk through and then he had them come through like two more times. So they're not the best photos. The people are too far apart. I did one one hundredth of a second. I could have gone a lot slower to get more of the sparks. I had flash on the bride and groom. So at least they're well lit. Um, They weren't like in the best positions. They did do like a dip, but they were kind of turned from us. But we have the photos that they wanted. I was just so done at that point. I mean, he really rattled me for like 20 minutes. It was just so rude and not necessary. And I mean, I know he had drank too much. He couldn't even hold the, you know, the lighter to the sparkler. But it was just so over the top. And I look over and I see him talking to his wife. And it's the whispering woman from the toasts, the speeches. And I'm like, of course, those two are married to each other. So that was how the night ended up. But again, the bride and groom were lovely all night long. Really, it it was just everybody else <laughs> that was that was the challenge. So, hey, thanks for tuning in. 
Um, I, I appreciate you listening. If you haven't yet, please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to A Second Helping. Please like and subscribe.